I'm a firm believer that the more you travel, you get a greater understanding of people and you get a greater understanding of nature. And when you're able to see these beautiful places, you can form a relationship with nature and you can start to think about things differently and how your actions affect nature. Welcome to Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Hey guys, what's up? How are you? I hope you're doing well. Thank you for choosing to be here with me today. It's currently October of 2020, and it just started flurrying outside my window here in Montana. We've actually had quite a beautiful fall, but if I'm being totally honest with you, it's weird to be here right now. This is usually my busiest travel season, and I'm usually gone for two to three months every fall and home for, well, maybe two weeks tops in between. So if you're struggling right now with being home, trust me, you are not alone. I had a group trip to Croatia planned that you probably, most of you probably know about. And many of you were, and actually are still signed up for, uh, but we had to postpone that from this September to next October. And that was just hard, just so hard for me and for everyone signed up and all of you guys at home with your own travel plans that have been canceled or postponed. It's just hard, weird times. Um, I did create for myself a plan B though. I had to <laughs> for my own mental health and well-being. I need travel. So I created an adventure here in the U.S. Um, Croatia was meant to be a bike and boat island hopping adventure. So I did what I consider to be the next best thing while not traveling too far from my own home. I went to my neighbor state of Washington and created my own bike and boat trip in the San Juan Islands. Uh, which has long been on my bucket list. So maybe I'll do a show about that. It was so good. It was the first time since COVID hit that I have been able to travel like farther than three hours away from my house. So I needed it. (laughs) Um, But I want to share this with you today about that. Yes, there is a difference between leaving your country's soil and feeling the rush of a completely foreign place and simply going somewhere within your own borders to find a new adventure. Of course, there's a difference. You don't get quite the same rush. It's a very different experience. However, for the sake of the moment, I will say, removing myself from everything that I experience every day with all of the senses and inserting myself into a totally different environment, even within my own country, even just in a neighboring state, moved me to my soul. The air felt different. The landscape obviously was different. The smells were so far from what I'm used to at home. The ocean obviously was transportive for me, coming from a landlocked state. The food, the attitudes of the people even, the humidity, I mean, I could feel it everywhere in all of my senses that I was in a different place. And that was the magic I needed 
And that is what we are doing this series for. Even if it is not the same intensity as we would get leaving the country on a a different kind of adventure, you know, it's still, that trip was absolutely what I have been craving for adventure. And I found it right here in the U.S. And it reminded me of a quote. It actually reminded me, as soon as I got there and was feeling all these things, it made me tear up and it reminded me of this quote by Robert Louis Stevenson that I'm going to read to you right now because it struck me really differently now during COVID than it usually does. And that is, for my part, I travel not to go anywhere, but to go. I travel for travel's sake. The great affair is to move. It goes on, but I'm going to stop there. And I'll tell you what, it felt so good to move, to get out to experience something new and different, even so close to my own home. And I know a lot of you have already been doing road trips and traveling a bunch this summer. And good for you if you have done that safely and felt good about it. And maybe you've felt what I'm talking about. But to those of you who haven't, um, I encourage you to seek this out. If you, like me, are a person who deeply needs to move, who needs travel, please seek out an adventure that you can do even close to home. I have been more productive. I've had a better outlook on so many things since this trip. It truly helped reset me. Uh, The bummer, I would say, was coming back so soon. (laughs) I might have shed a tear. I wasn't ready to come home after just 12 days being gone. To some people, that's long, I know. But to me, I felt like I was only getting started and I'm usually gone for another couple months right now. So... That was a little rough, but at least I made it happen at all. And that is the point here that I want to share is that it still works. It still helps, even if it's close to home. The more you stay at home, the more of a rut you'll be in. It's going to be harder to leave. So don't even let yourself get there. Get out. Remember that there is so much more to the world than your bubble of home where we've all felt so stuck lately. Travel near. Travel often the great affair is to move. So keep going. And you know what? Even if you have or haven't done this before, reach out to me on Instagram at Traveling Jackie. Tell me what you're doing. Give me a shout out. Let me know how you're enjoying this series. Let me know where you have been going lately and what it has meant to you because I know that it's important and I want to celebrate that with you. So we are continuing today with our U.S. series, our epic adventures right here in the backyard. So far, we've talked about long-distance hiking, through hiking um, on trails that we can find close to home. And we've also been to Utah and gotten to learn about some of the hidden gems of the most popular parks in Utah. And I got a lot of great feedback for for that. So thanks, you guys. Um, And shout out to Jenny again for such great information in that last episode. Today, I'm joined by another blogger uh, who I connected with on Instagram, who is Latin American living in Portland. We'll get to hear a bit of her story today, as well as how she has totally taken advantage of local travel this year and explored her backyard of Oregon, namely the Seven Wonders of Oregon. And When I put out a call on Instagram to ask you guys to step forward with your backyard adventures to share, she mentioned the seven wonders of Oregon. And I responded, is that really a thing? 
Uh, because no, I didn't realize that Oregon claims seven wonders and I was immediately intrigued. And Patty, our guest today, was so fun to talk to about this because she really loves where she lives. And when someone is super enthusiastic about a place, well, it's contagious. So strap in, get ready to head to Oregon for a road trip to each of these seven wonders of Oregon. And I will say this now, we do have links to the places we talk about in today's episode in the show notes, as well as where to find Patti on Instagram and all of the sustainable travel links that we discussed too. And let me add that currently in 2020, we have experienced a pretty devastating fire season out West. And so definitely check ahead to and double check to any parks uh, or trails that you're hoping to visit. Make sure they're open, first of all. Um, make sure that you respect the reforestation efforts, you know, Make sure you aren't adding to the problem in any way. Let's all do our part to be responsible travelers and protect the environment that we so love to enjoy. So we're going to get into all of that in just a minute. Uh, but first, let's hear how our friend Chelsea is enjoying her oboes. Hi, my name is Chelsea. I'm 32 and I've been hiking pretty much exclusively in the women's juniper uh, boot for the last two years, um, love them. My first trip with them was in Glacier, which was amazing. Uh, the summer I started a Sunday summit series where I tried to summit local mountains around Bozeman. So that has been probably the most consistent wear that they've gotten in the past few weeks. Uh, and then this past weekend, they took me to the top of my first 14er in Colorado, Mount Sherman, just over 14,000 feet and a trek up and back through the snow nonetheless. Um, so they've been really great. And I really can't imagine uh, liking a boot more than these. Thanks so much to Chelsea for sharing that. If you want to share on the podcast how you are loving your oboes, Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at Traveling Jackie, or if you don't know the answer to that but want to find out for yourself, check out Oboz Footwear. That's O B O Z Footwear.com and try a pair for yourself. Patty, welcome to the show. I love to say Patty instead of Patty, but I asked you beforehand if I was allowed to say it that way. You said that was okay. So yeah, that's, that's um, the correct way. Yeah. And so I'm so excited to, to get to know who you are. Um, you guys, we were just connecting before starting this recording. And I told her, I said, I have so many questions for you. I'm not going to ask any of them until we hit record because <laughs> you're actually um, someone who has... You, you reached out to me via Instagram. You responded to a request that I put out. Um, and so I actually do not know you. And I'm excited to get to know you in front of everybody. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking the time to be here and chat with us and hang out with um, with everybody listening for the next... I don't know how long this is going to take us. But um, let's start with the easy... Hopefully an easy question is, um, would you mind just introducing yourself, telling us who you are, a little bit about you? Absolutely. So my name is Patricia. Um, but... Here, like we were talking a little bit earlier, um, people call me Patty or Patty. Um, I am from Venezuela. Mm -hmm. And so I was born in Caracas and I moved to the United States um, when I was 10. And I've been living in the Pacific Northwest ever since. And it's just such a beautiful place. Um, I feel really blessed to be in this part of the country. Just um, 
for how much natural beauty there is and how many opportunities there are. Um, I'm also Spanish. So those are my main nationalities. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But as you know, traveling South America, um, you know, people are from all over and Mm -hmm. have like a million different um, countries that they're from. Um, so I, yeah, that's a little bit about my background. Um, previous to the last few months, I was working in healthcare administration and I was laid off and I kind of took that as an opportunity to reassess where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do with my life. And I'm really, really passionate about sustainability. Um, and I also really enjoy and love travel. So I thought, okay, whatever my next role is and whatever I do next, um, I want to be able to combine those and um, kind of get ready for the next step. So I started um, a sustainability and travel blog. And I really did that more so that I could have writing samples Mm -hmm. (laughs) or um, whenever I apply to jobs. Um, but also because it gave me a really cool way to connect with people, to learn about topics that I was curious about, but maybe didn't have time to dedicate to before. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I've been doing. And, um, at that point, um, from my layoff, I decided it would be a great idea to, um, go to Australia and do the work holiday visa. Oh. And I was actually there earlier this year. Um, but with everything with COVID, um, I came back to the States and, um, I've been here and kind of traveling around Oregon and, um, seeing what, what other beauty there is here. And it's kind of given me an opportunity to really appreciate where I am, um, and maybe where I'm going. So, yeah. (laughs) Long answer, but <laughs> no, I there's so much in there that I love um, about what you said. Your journey has been so interesting. And when you first mentioned that you had been laid off, I immediately thought you were laid off because of COVID. But was it before that? Yeah, so it was before okay. that. It was um, November ish oh, wow. last year. Okay, so you were sort of <laughs> like laid off on a silver platter before everybody yeah. else got laid off, like. <laughs> Exactly. You can go ahead and set yourself up before the world shuts down, except that you had to come home from Australia. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, it, it completely changed my plans, but it's yeah. changed everyone's plans. Yeah. And so I, I really feel really blessed that I had that opportunity to travel right before everything hit. Um, and, you know, this has really given me a new sense of home and just reminding myself, like I'm sure it has a lot of people, how, how important it is to love where you are in the moment because we don't know what's going to happen next. So true. Um, I think this time has really given people not just a, not just a mirror. Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people are reflecting internally, but I also think it's given a very kind of golden opportunity if you want to see it that way to really appreciate your home and i also think it that is biting people in the other direction you know they're realizing they don't like where they live and i feel like it's so important it is so important to 
appreciate the place that you call home and and to know why you're there. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think so many of us end up in a place because of XYZ. Maybe it's where we were born, which means we didn't actually choose it. You know, maybe our parents chose it or maybe they were there by default or whatever. Or you take a job and so you're still not necessarily choosing. And I think that that's causing a lot of people to kind of recognize, well, how do I feel about my home? What am I doing here? Is this really where I want to be? And this past season of, of COVID, I guess we're still in it, um, is really making people see that. And I, I mean, I'm so appreciative of where I live uh, in Montana. I've, I have gotten to a point in my life where I know exactly why I'm here. I chose this place. It is my home. It is not where I'm from. You know? mm-hmm. And I feel like that's such a strong... I guess, perspective to see your home. And I wish that for more people. And I'm hearing that from you. And I love that. Well, and I think part of it is I, you know, I'll be completely honest with you. The previous year, I really wanted to leave Oregon. Mm -hmm. And that was one of my main goals. And, and I did that. Mm -hmm. And I was in a completely different setting and I had to come back. And it's, it's weird because being back, I thought, man, you know, Australia is amazing, but if I had been stuck there, I wouldn't have had my community, you know, my friends, my family. And to me, mm-hmm. those are the most important. So um, it's, it's definitely, I think, a time for new perspectives and an opportunity for people to maybe make changes or, like you said earlier, reassess um, what, what they want home to be and mm-hmm. what they want to do with their careers and their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I I feel so much for the people who had, like you, who had sort of the rug <laughs> ripped out from underneath you because maybe you finally, you know, had um, gone on your journey that you've been planning. And I mean, you definitely were accomplishing your goal of getting out of Oregon, you know, and so many people just got tripped up along the way yeah. <laughs> and sent home. And I just, I feel so much for you guys because... I mean, when I look back, like I got to do my my time. You know, I I didn't have to come home except when I chose to, and I kept leaving. And it doesn't mean that I didn't. Just like you're saying, um, you didn't want to be in Oregon. That that's okay. I didn't want to be in Montana before I was. You know, in in between, it's like I wanted to be here for a little bit and not really. And I kept leaving. And now that I'm back, I feel like okay. I understand now where I am and why I'm here. And I, I did choose this. But I mean, to be tripped up in the middle of that and to not like get there <laughs> yet is excruciating. And I know that a lot of people out there listening to us right now are feeling that because their plans got interrupted. And so perhaps they will take a little bit of encouragement from what you're saying of having this new perspective about where you are and just being so grateful that we do have a community right now. It is important. Even if it has to be small, small circles, it is so important to have those people in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's, let's see. You have been living in Oregon since you were 10 or? Yeah. So I've okay. been living here. Um, and I mean, I haven't always liked it, like I said earlier, but there, there's just so much here. And, you know, um, 
so we were introduced through Instagram and, um, you had asked about kind of, I think you said like backyard adventures. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I just couldn't think of a better place. Um, there's so much here and, and anytime people come to Oregon, you know, that's exactly what they say. We have the mountains, we have the beach, we have desert, um, Mm -hmm. all pretty close by. Um, and, and that's something that I think is pretty magical, um, compared to a lot of other places Mm -hmm. and there's so much greenery. I mean, (laughs) have you ever been to Oregon? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have. It's super lush. The coast is, I mean, you feel like you're in a rainforest over there. Oh yeah. And And it's really, they have really good beer in Oregon. (laughs) Really good craft beer. Lots of breweries. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. Um, One of the things that was crazy is so when I, when I was in Australia, I, um, also ended up going to New Zealand and it was really insane to me how there were parts of New Zealand that were so similar to the Pacific Northwest. Mm, mm -hmm. And of course, like, you know, you, you think about like tectonic plates and like how the earth used to be and, you know, where it broke off and it kind of makes sense that like it was all connected at one point. So of course it would be kind of similar, but yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say you're, you've got the opposite latitude there. And the, as you know, the further you get out from the equator, it's so similar. The temperate zones are, you know, that's why like Montana looks so much like Patagonia and people who go to for example, Alaska, Montana, Patagonia, they're like, oh yeah, I, I understand now why people like trade in these spaces because they look so similar. Same thing with New Zealand, but I haven't been there yet. So I don't get oh to play God. with that one. <laughs> I know. Well, you have to go. Uh, I know. I'm afraid it's going to be one of those places that I, I need to not go until I have lots of time because I'm not going to want to leave. No, you won't. I mean, I fully regretted getting on my plane. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but you know, you really do need a lot of time there because there you have the North and the South Island. And, um, while I was there, I was there for about two weeks and people were saying, that's too little. You need to stay longer, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Well, um, so we know that you have this goal to probably go back. Are you going to go back? Oh, I would love that. I, I'm not sure that I would go back to stay like uh-huh. I had originally planned. Yeah. Um, I think through all of this, I think I'm, I'm going to stay in Oregon, um, mainly because of my family and my community. I, I found that's so much more important yeah. to me. Um, but I would, I mean, I would love to go back. It's, mm-hmm. I felt like I, I, there was so much I missed and in Australia even too. And I was there for a couple of months. Um, but I mean, I, I feel like that anytime I travel in general, (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) So there's that aspect of it where pretty much, I'm not sure I could tell you of a place I've been that, um, I was like, yeah, I saw it all. Like, (laughs) yeah. Oh no, it's not possible. I mean, we're about to get into a whole bunch of Oregon stuff. And I know you even haven't even seen all of that. You know, like it's... No, no, no. 
you have to spend a yeah. lifetime anywhere and you won't even finish. So oh, yeah. we'll just talk about what we can do instead of what we can't do. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually, one of the things that um, I should mention about when I was in Australia and in New Zealand is that, um, and going back to kind of the sustainability piece, is that while I was there is when the wildfires were happening mm-hmm. in um, the state of Victoria. And so that was pretty insane because you got to see firsthand how we're having an impact in the world. Yeah. So Ugh. that that was pretty that was pretty wild. That um, was nightmarish just seeing I mean I can only imagine what it what it was what it was up close. Um that was I mean, really it wasn't. Bad. I wasn't in the fire. So I yeah, but I mean, just seeing. Well, obviously, yeah. know. <laughs> I mean, I'm from California, so I understand. Yeah. But I, I mean, I've, I've just like seeing evacuees. Like I've had mm-hmm. to evacuate from my house because of a fire oh. before, and it's just. But I mean, oh man, the the animals was like Australia. The animals was like the worst part for me to watch. Oh, just yeah. the the devastation that was happening in the. Ugh. It was it was really heartbreaking, mm-hmm. and the it, yeah it it was. I mean, I couldn't tell you like it just it made me want to protect wildlife so badly. Yep. Um, the the cool thing though from that is the sense of camaraderie that people had um, everywhere. People were donating anywhere you went to eat. Um, they were mm. requesting donations, and and it was really cool to see how people kind of came together for this um, yeah. to protect their um, their country. Yeah, you know, it's so. On that note of donating, um, I feel like it's so much more. This is why we travel, right? We we travel because we want to learn other cultures. We want to meet other people. We want their story to become part of our story. And if you've been to somewhere that's had a national national disaster, a not national natural disaster like that, in any kind of magnitude, it'll mean so much more to you if you have an experience there. You know, mm-hmm. if you know the name of a person who lives there, you know that you can contact to see if they're doing okay or um, you know, find out where is going to be the best place to send your money um, mm-hmm. if you want to donate. And that I feel I'm such a believer in, in that side of, I guess, the camaraderie that you're talking about of coming together. We can do that from here if we make these stories part of our own. You just have to, I guess, take interest in it. You know, I mean, when you see... I mean... It just for example, if you are a lover of kangaroos, you are going to be the first person to send money to the um, the people who you know that family that was protecting kangaroos in baskets in their house. You know, yeah. for for example, I mean that's going to speak loudly to you. Or um, I mean, if if there's a tsunami that hits a little town that you used to spend time in, like you're going to know who to send money to. You're going to want to whatever. Um, I think that it's really important to make these stories part of our stories because it is one story, really. I mean, it's it's it is important. We have to act. We've got to pay attention to these things. And the more that we travel, the more we are going to open our eyes 
to the humanity all over the world and that sort of camaraderie that you're talking about and be able to make that part of our story as well. I, I think that's so important. And, and it's, I mean, it's crucial to our well-being too, you know, whether, whether we like it or not, we live in a large community. <laughs> it's called earth. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, we, we have to look out for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and our and animals. So, yeah. And exactly. our planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love that you're passionate about sustainability. Good for you. We all need to be. I mean, if we're participating in travel, then we need to participate responsibly. That's what I believe. Yeah. And it's important to learn about these things and pay attention. And and that's one of the things that um, you know, when I when I started looking into this, I, I wasn't sure if it worked because you know, as you know, it it's very difficult to be sustainable in travel. Um right. Why do you say that? Well, first of all, the carbon emissions that um, happen when we fly, mm-hmm. right? That affects our world negatively. Um, but also, I'm especially thinking if we go to Europe, I mean, the every time I've gone, there, there's plastic everywhere. And if you don't plan, um, you could easily buy a plastic water bottle every day, um, end up using plastic bags or Mm -hmm. plastic cutlery and a lot of single use items. And a lot of it is kind of, um, having kind of a mindset where you're actively thinking about those things when you travel, because it can be really easy to, to not be. Of course, because most people, I would say at, at large, aren't. It, it does take a lot. It takes a shift of mindset, but there are a lot of resources out there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any that you want to share to point people towards? I mean, so you and I have talked about Leave No Trace. Um, mm-hmm. That's for all nature lovers. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you don't know about Leave No Trace, read about it, learn about it. It's so important. But also look into... Um, sustainable swaps and sustainable shops. So if you are traveling, I think one of the things that comes to mind is travel size items, right? Mm -hmm. And so is there a possibility for you to make a switch to plastic-free travel Mm -hmm. um, items? So things like that. One of the uh, pieces I always... There's a couple of items I always pack with me. And one is a travel mug because usually there's... um, coffee wherever I stay. (laughs) So I can just keep filling that up. Um, My own water bottle, I usually bring about two um, Mm -hmm. as a backup. Um, I also have my own cutlery and um, I also bring stasher bags. Mm -hmm. So the reason I I do that is because, um, you know, you... for me, I, I see, you know, do as much as you can. And sometimes you're in situations where you you can't escape. There's going to be plastic and you're going to have to use it because you need to eat or, you know, you're kind of in a pickle. It's more important for you to stay hydrated and eat and take care of yourself. Um, but the stasher bags are super helpful for when I buy, um, local produce. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And so, um, for example, 
I was in Croatia two years ago and I had those bags and um, in the town we were staying in, there was a lot of fruit vendors. And so I could directly put that fruit (laughs) in my little baggies Mm -hmm. and, you know, walk around the rest of the day. And I had an easy plastic free snack. Yeah, there you go. I love that. And it starts, it's, it really starts as, as a mindset and you can start this at home. I mean, even hearing this might inspire some people to consider how much plastic they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also encourage people to look into Travelers Against Plastic. It's TAP. Travelers Against Plastic is... Uh, you can sign the pledge. You can actually say... Um, I mean, it's, it's sort of just an outward acknowledgement that, yeah, I'm going to... Uh, do my part to reduce plastic. Um, I, I mean, I travel that the same way. I bring the same things. I, I haven't brought the stasher bags that you're talking about, but definitely a coffee mug, um, reusable water bottles. I always encourage my group trips to uh, bring reusable water bottles because you know we're going to be getting fresh water from the creeks in Patagonia or whatever. You know, that's um, amazing. <laughs> it, it's the best water in the world. Um, or to get something like a grail, which is a water filter. I mean, there's so many different kinds of filtration systems that you can use with your own um, reusable water bottle that you can make water drinkable, even from a hotel that you know, you're not supposed to drink the water out of the tap or something. You can definitely just make sure you have a good uh, filter like a grail and then poof, drinkable. You know, So Travelers Against Plastic is another good one. Leave No Trace is... Um, you can find those principles at lnt.org too, you guys. We definitely talked about that in the last episode too. But um, that's really important as more and more people are exploring their own backyards and getting out and uh, getting on trails that maybe they haven't been on before. There's a lot of... I mean, I'm assuming... You guys are already adventurers. Like People aren't going to listen to a travel podcast if they've <laughs> maybe never done anything before. I don't know. I, I feel like we've got a good group of adventurers out here. Hopefully, you guys have um, some knowledge already and that you're not the ones leaving graffiti in national parks. But you know, it's important to share this knowledge uh, with anybody that we can. And so it's worth talking about it. So thank you for bringing this up. Um, is there anything else you want to add about sustainability? Well, I think just, you know, to add on to what you just said is continuously advocating Mm -hmm. nature, you know, it doesn't have a voice in the way that we do (laughs) where we can talk back and forth. It does have a voice. We can see the effects, um, of our actions, Mm -hmm. but just, yeah, continuously talking about it and, um, shifting our mindset to protect it because, a lot of the places that we go to, they are so beautiful and stunning. And what makes them that way is that there usually isn't trash. Um, you know, it's it's protected. Um, it's natural beauty. And so mm-hmm. it's just a shift in mindset and, and advocating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to add one more resource for you guys before we move on from... Um sustainable travel, you mentioned carbon emissions and mm-hmm. there's a new program for travelers out there that's called Tomorrow's Air. If you go to Tomorrow's Air, I believe it's .com. I'm going to try that real quick and see if it works. Um, but it's... Yeah. Tomorrow'sAir.com. Uh, they've started... I mean, you can start donating for as little as $10 a month and it, re- it removes 
um, carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. And so if you want to learn more about that, what that actually means and what it looks like, um, go to tomorrowsair.com. That'll be... um, It's powered by the Adventure Travel Trade Association of which I'm a member. And so that would be a good place to start if you don't know... If you want to learn more about that, which I believe we should all learn more about that. (laughs) Yeah. Especially as travelers. But Also, you just made me think of of this other um, site, which I don't know. I don't know if you've heard of the Global Footprint Calculator. I don't know if I have heard of that. So it's... Yeah. So if, if you look it up, Global Footprint Calculator, you're able to see what your impact is um, with your lifestyle. And so oh, it kind yeah. of... Okay. You take a quiz and it, it recommends areas for improvement um, where you could lead a more sustainable life. Awesome. That sounds so easy. I mean, to just go and check it out and find yeah. some resources. And I mean, that's a really good place to start. Uh, what was the dot .com? Um, global... I believe it's just Global Footprint Calculator. Global Footprint Calculator. Okay. I'm looking and at it. A, it's footprintcalculator.org? I think that's it. Oh, Footprint Network. Hmm. <laughs> well, there's a couple. I think it's uh, footprintcalculator.org. So cool. Yes, right. I just Thank you for that. Up. Yeah. Awesome. And at, at the end of it, it shows like how many Earths it takes if everyone lived like you, which is insane. Ooh. Yeah, it's wow. it's rough. It's rough to look at. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Thank you for that. Yay. Well, we got some. You know what? I might put these links in the show notes for everybody so you can just look at the episode show notes and see if uh yeah, um, all of these will be listed there. That will make it easy. All right. Um, let's talk about Oregon since you, since that was sort of the purpose, um, you, your blog is called Green Voyage Blog. And when you reached out and said, you know, yes, I've been doing this. What was it that you said? The seven wonders of Oregon. I was like, is that really a thing? I didn't even know. Uh, and yeah, it is really a thing. And I looked at all the blog posts that you sent me and then I found that you were, super into sustainability. So thank you for sharing about that. I was like, oh yeah, I've got to get this girl on. Like we've got to talk about this. So um, yeah. So let's move on to the Oregon part. What are the seven wonders of Oregon? Like what even is this? Is this like a a quest to do them all? Or like how do people approach the seven wonders of Oregon? So I think it started um, with Travel Oregon and they were kind of promoting different places to visit in Oregon. And so I'm pretty sure that's how it started. And if I'm wrong, I apologize. But... (laughs) Sounds about right though. Yeah. Yeah. Almost 100%. And so um, they are... So I'll start going through... I'll tell you the seven first and then I'll kind of go through them. Does that work? Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So the seven wonders are the Columbia River Gorge, Crater Lake, Mount Hood... Painted Hills, the Oregon Coast, Smith Rock, and the Wallawas. So each of these has is considered a wonder. Um, and I've been to six of them. I haven't been to the Wallawas is the only one. Okay. Um, and they're stunning. And, and I want to say that the Wallawas is <laughs> probably the one I want to go to the most. But 
it's like six hours away from me. Um, so it's been a little challenging to plan because I don't want to go alone. I want a buddy. Mm -hmm. Um, and most people go camping too. So, but it's supposed to be stunning. Wait, so what is the Wallawas? So it's like, um, like a mountain range and there's beautiful lakes and it's, um, near Joseph, Oregon. Okay. Ah, so it's way like east ish. Uh-huh. East, east. Okay. Yep. So the Wallawas are mountains. I, so I want to say that's what they are. That's what I have gathered from my reading, but I really think it's an area. Wallawas backpacking. Okay. Camping. Yeah. It's like a, like a region. Yes. Of. And there's actually a lake and a state park. Okay. Wallawa Mountains, Mountain Range in Oregon. There we go. Thanks, Google. (laughs) Oh man. Okay, cool. So that's... I can see immediately from the images why this would be considered that, but tell us... Keep going. Yeah. So I mean, it's... Yeah, it's just supposed to be amazing. And um, I have friends who backpacked through there and just... Like when you continuously speak of a place and people say how incredible it is, you know, and you don't hear any bad reviews. It's it's kind of a big deal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, that's the wonder I haven't been to, but I'll talk to you about the ones I have been to. Um, so the closest one to me is the Columbia river gorge. And there's a couple of falls, um, throughout the gorge and hiking paths right now. Uh, the gorge is closed, um, because of, COVID and kind of everything that's going on. Um, it's smaller communities around there. So they don't have the hospital capacity if, um, people became sick there. Smart for them to just close it because a lot of places like that are not closed and it's a problem. So, Yeah. yeah. And I think what happened is that when the stay at home orders first happened, everyone wanted to go to these places. Mm-hmm. And so these communities mm-hmm. were kind of overpopulated. Yeah. Um, but one of the more famous places in the gorge is Multnomah Falls. Yeah. And it's... Is, oh, go is, ahead. Is that the one that had the fire a few years ago? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, actually been there. the gorge. Yeah. Hmm. You, you should go. It's I mean, I should fun. go to all of these. Yeah. <laughs> The the Multnomah Falls, especially, it's very touristy. There's a lot of people, um, but but it's nice to see, and it's not too far from town. I live in Portland, mm-hmm. um, and, and so it's it's a maybe like a 40, 40 minute drive. Okay, so this is you're talking day trip from from Portland slash mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of places in Oregon. You, I mean, a lot of the population is along that same. Is it I five um, or for the gorge? No, I mean just like the north to south like corridor of population in Oregon. I find. Um, yeah, I feel like if you're along there, this could be a day trip from most places, no? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about... I mean, as you go, let's talk about the, the accessibility and, and who can get there because um, people are listening from all over the place. And so, I mean, obviously we could look at maps, but we also can talk about that as we go. So perfect. Yeah. So I think that's probably going to be our most accessible option Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of the seven wonders. Um, there's, um, accessibility for wheelchairs. Um, 
there's large parking lots. Um, and you, you really can get a really beautiful view, especially if, if you, um, want to see the natural beauty, but, um, maybe can't walk as far or are taking various family members. Multnomah Falls is a great option. Other places in the gorge, um, may have less parking and have more difficult hikes. Um, one of the ones that I had shared with you was Dog Mountain. And this is like the hardest <laughs> hike I've ever done. It's really? so steep. <laughs> yes. It's, it's literally uphill the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> uphill both ways. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of... So what's the reward? Do you get a mountaintop or... Yes. Mm. That's the reward. That and nice. there's, there's flowers at the top. And so... <laughs> is there ice cream? Is there no. a Swiss chalet with fondue? Oh, okay. I wish. That, that would be nice. It was actually kind of scary because the day we went, it was really windy. And I was like, oh. am I, I, I'm, I mean, we're not meeting in person, so you can't see how small I am, but I'm pretty short. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm probably like 5'1". And wow. I think that I was like, is the wind going to push me over? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that yeah. that's one that I think you need to prepare for and really make sure that you're um, really physically active to be able to do that. The first time I did it, um, I went with my partner and I just like gave up maybe a third of the way. And I was like, this was the wrong day. <laughs> we are not doing this. You got to prepare yourself mentally for this one too, hey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's super fit, super active. And so he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, no. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the second time I went, I, I kind of knew what I was getting into. And I, I thought, okay, I'm going to go with a group. For me, that's really motivating to kind of keep everyone's stamina up. Yeah. Morale. We took a few breaks um, and brought lots of snacks, lots of water. I didn't bring my dog that second time, which was a really good decision because it really is challenging. Mm, um, okay. And for that one, I mean, you can bring your dog, but I, I personally wouldn't recommend it. Um, mine takes a lot of pee breaks and that would kind of slow me down. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's so many places um, in the Columbia River Gorge and lots of different levels of accessibility, um, yeah. different levels of accessibility in regards to parking um, and difficulty. And I think if you just type the Columbia River Gorge hikes um, or viewpoints, you can get a lot. But those are the two that um, I think a lot of people here know about and and go to. Okay. And Dog Mountain is open right now? No. So everything in the gorge, I'm pretty sure, um, is currently closed. And there are, there should be some maybe... um, because the the gorge is pretty large, um, and so it covers Washington and Oregon mm-hmm. because it's the Columbia River, and so um, kind of two sides to it. So I'm I know the Oregon side is closed. Maybe the Washington side is open, but I'm not sure. Okay, so this might be ha- might be one that we'll have to shelf until yes, until it reopens. Exactly. But okay, yeah. Where are we going next? So next is Mount Hood. Mm. Um, I love Mm-mm. Mount Hood. 
<laughs> There's just so much there. I mean, any season you go to, if you go in the summertime, there's hikes, there's lakes, there's swimming. This is about um, an hour and a half to two hours away from Portland and definitely a day trip that you can do or a weekend. Um, you can go camping. Um, there, there's a lot you can do. And then in the winter I snowboard. And so, um, there's lots of options for snowboarding and skiing. Mm -hmm. Um, and also different, um, like, uh, packages. So for, you know, if you're a newer boarder or you want to pay less for the day, um, there's different options for that. Again, lots of parking, um, in all of these places, there's really good signage too. So, I mean, a couple of times I think I've lost service and if you just follow the signs, it's, it's great. You, you'll know where you are. Um, one of my favorite places, um, at Mount Hood is Trillium Lake. Trillium Lake? Yes. Mm, sounds like it's surrounded by flowers. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> By trilliums, by chance? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and I just put those two together, so. <laughs> oh, <laughs> trilliums are a little three, tri, trillium, three-leafed, or three-petaled flowers. Nice. I am are, pretty sure those are there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. They're like all over that area in Oregon and Northern California. And <laughs> so sounds about yeah. right. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad you were able to help me put that together. Okay, there. There's my tip. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's so beautiful there. And there, there's camping um, for the summertime. People go swimming, paddle boarding, mm -hmm. kayaking. I, I have a kayak and um, I love going there. They also have um, rental there. So in the oh, summertime. Great. Yeah. So that, that's really great. There was um, actually a couple of weeks ago, I went with my brother and we took a little blow up raft. Okay. And when we got there, there was a hole. <laughs> So we oh, no. blew it up and I was like, why didn't we check this before? <laughs> but so you they, rented. Yeah. Oh what? <laughs> so you rented? Yes. So they, they had rentals there of paddle boards and kayaks. Um cool. So made it so much easier. And and that doesn't happen all the time, but in high seasons like right now, yeah. Um, they're there. And then in the wintertime, it's also one of my favorite places because, so they have two parking lots, the top one, which is right by the, um, uh, Mount hood highway. And then the bottom one, which is closer to the lake. So in the wintertime, the bottom one is all snowed, um, snowed out. And so what we do is on the way to Mount hood, we stop and rent snowshoes. Okay. And then we drive there. And in Oregon, it doesn't really snow a lot. But whenever it snows, everything stops. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but the roads to the mountains are usually pretty good. And so you just drive to the top of the parking lot and you can sh snowshoe around the lake. Um, and it's just gorgeous. What about cross-country skiing? Are there cross-country... Can you cross-country ski around the lake too? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I haven't done it, but you definitely can. That sounds lovely. Yeah. And all of this stuff, um, as you're driving towards Mount Hood, you'll see little shops where you can rent cross-country ski skis or regular skis, um, snowboards, or any any gear that you might need. Okay. It sounds really easy. Yes. Like, 
it just sounds easy. Like everything's there for you. Signage, parking lots, rentals. Like we like this. (laughs) This is easy. I know. And I have to say, you know, I have mixed feelings about sharing all this information because Portlanders are like, don't tell people to come to Oregon. (laughs) I know. You can't help it. You know, there's so much beauty to share. Yeah. Oh, that's really sweet of you because I am so with the locals. I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I get it though. You know, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people are feeling that way right now. With mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of us in smaller rural places that we're getting an onslaught of city people right now. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah. wait, wait a like, second. Where did you come from? Yeah, we don't have the like like um like you were saying, we don't have the hospital space. If you get sick, we don't have the infrastructure to hold on to all of you right now, you know, and it's really hard because people are j- just going in droves to the mountains wherever they are. And so I definitely sympath- sympathize with the Portlanders just, I mean, <laughs> for wanting to keep people out, but uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, that's like a double-edged sword in in travel in general. I mean, going and discovering these amazing places and then being so torn about whether to say something about it or not. I mean... Exactly. Ugh. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a firm believer that the more you travel, you get a greater understanding of people and you get a greater understanding of nature. And when you're able to see these beautiful places, you can form a relationship with nature and you can start to think about things differently and how your actions affect nature. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. And getting to know your neighbors. I mean, in the next state over or a few states over or across the country even, I mean, it does matter. It goes back to the exact same thing we were talking about, sustainability. It is important that people see and take an interest in your backyard, in your backyard as well, because then they'll also understand the need to protect it, et cetera. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the next place um, is also, it could be an hour or it could be four hours. (laughs) And that's the Oregon coast. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it really depends where you go. Um, The Oregon coast is another one of the wonders. Um, I had a friend actually who I met when I was. doing the Sophie program in Biarritz, um, who did a road trip from Palo Alto, California up to Seattle. And she went up through the coast, through the 101. And she was telling me that she was posting on her Instagram story and people just kept saying, where are you? This looks incredible. Like, what are you like? This totally doesn't look like anything we've seen. And so the Oregon coast is that it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm but it's freezing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't go there to sunbathe. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so when we moved here, um, I told you I, I was around 10 and my my mom and my dad were, were all from Venezuela, the Caribbean. Um, we're used to the beach meaning sun and warmth. And my mom just had no idea. I mean, back then we didn't really use Google that much other than to print out the Google maps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for directions. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and we went without sweaters. We went in swimsuits. Um, biggest mistake ever. Oh, <laughs> still remember how cold it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Traumatized. Yeah. But so, there are a lot of things you can do on the Oregon coast. Exactly. Um, so if you go to so- the South coast, um, you can take like doom buggies and go to the dunes, which is really cool. Um, near Florence, Oregon. Um, and there's lots there. People go um, actually to go whale watching there mm. when the whale migration occurs, um, which, is, which is really special. I don't think there's a lot of places that you can see them so close. Which season is that? Um, I want to say it's fall. I'm not 100%. Which, which whales? Is it the gray whales? I'm not sure. Let me see. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Whale watching, that's such a special thing. If you guys haven't gone whale watching, you should go. It is so... It's just like... Whales are incredible animals. And um, she's right. To see them up close is just... It's so cool. And it is is the gray whales. Okay. So they will go twice a year then, right? Yes. Twice a year, so winter and spring. Um, like February or what? What yeah. when in winter? January, February, maybe. Uh, yeah. So it says, um, and I just looked this up to make sure. I don't want to give you guys bad information. Yeah, <laughs> so, give it to us. Woo. So winter is mid December to mid January, okay. and then spring is late February to May. Although, I, again, when I went in fall, we did see one. So I don't know if that was a, a stray. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe but if you go down. like on season, yeah, you're you pretty much guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Exactly. The gray whales go from Alaska down to Baja every every Isn't year. It's so amazing. I mean, I went to... I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I went to um, <laughs> whale camp. I, <laughs> well, I, I did this kayak camping experience in Baja and we did kayak camping on the Sea Cortez side for a few days. And then we went over to the Pacific coast and we went out to uh, like a glamping. It was just canvas tents. And they call it whale camp, and it was the coolest thing. I mean, we 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 learned all about the gray whales and their migration, and this is where they they go to have their babies. They go into the protected warm waters in Baja, and then they'll bring them back up to Alaska. It's so interesting, um, but very cool that you can go whale watching in Oregon and see them on their way. Rad, and because it is a little further away from Portland, which is where most flights come into, not, not as many people go. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's yeah. pretty nice because you won't find as many people as you would if you went somewhere like Cannon Beach, which I still highly recommend, which is um, about an hour and a half away from Portland. Goonies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what we filmed. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows that beach, whether you know it or not, because you've seen Goonies. <laughs> yeah. And no. it's exactly like the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so cool. Um, or, though the Oregon coast is more that place where we think cozy bed and breakfast um, sort of thing instead of, you know, beach. And, and if you're 
really uh, brave with a wetsuit, you could surf. Yes, you can. <laughs> I'm not though. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> I, I've only been surfing um, in, in France and, and that, was, that was great. That was great. I loved it. Part of it is the waves in the Oregon coast are pretty far out um, for surfing. And so you have to swim, swim a little ways. And I just think eh. that's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'll yeah. stick to the B&B and sipping my beer, watching the waves crash from here. Exactly. And yeah. beer. So that's a perfect way to, to spend your day and, and just walking around. There's also lots of hikes um, mm-hmm. nearby and little shops and, and all of that is still open right now. Um, Great. And, and it's just beautiful. Yay. I like that one. There's something really cozy about the idea of the Oregon coast. (laughs) Really. And Oregon is so... I feel like it's kind of skipped over. I mean, because Washington and California kind of dominate uh, that area. Even Northern California is is overlooked and underrated. I would say Oregon is the same way. It's incredible too. What? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know. I know, but the population really exists in the South. And so it's such yeah. a different world in the North. But as you continue, it's, this, it's so similar in Oregon. You have just less people, uh, you know, fewer tourists to deal with and so much incredible nature. And the coast is just... I mean, if you can take time to drive that, it's so pretty. Just, just drive the Oregon coast. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole, the whole, pretty much the whole way is right by the ocean. Um, and it, and it's just stunning. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right. Where are we going next? Yeah. The next two places I recommend doing together. Okay. Um, and so this is towards Eastern Oregon and it's painted Hills and Smith rock. Okay. And so this is closer to bend. Um, Mm. and it's about three hours away from Portland Um, and so the reason why I recommend doing them together is because they're about an hour and a half away from each other and they're, you, you can totally do each of them in a day as long as you stay in the same area. Okay. So we've actually gone camping at Smith Rock, um, and it's incredible. I mean, you pick your own spot. You don't have like specific spots for tents which is really nice because when you pick your own spot, you can kind of pick what view you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's incredible. Um, this, you can do an easier walk or you can do a longer hike. There's lots of different paths. And so what Smith Rock is, it's, it was um, basically like a, it, it's like a rock formation, like all over. Um, it, it's the desert. Um, and it's, it's just, it's like nothing else in Oregon, really. You, you feel like you're like in Arizona or New mm. Mexico or something. Cool. Uh, Without yeah. having to drive all the way there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's right by Bend, which is beer hotspot of um, Oregon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bend is such a cool town. Bend is kind of like a big brother of Bozeman, like where I live. It's, oh really? It's so similar. Yeah, it's just a little bit bigger. Um, but I was even considering moving there at one point. Uh, wow. But they have the Deschutes Brewery is there, and that brewery is 
almost single-handedly responsible for getting me to like beer. Really? Because of their Black Butte Porter, which actually I have to just give them a shout out because I just bought another six pack of that today. Like It's like my favorite porter to just keep in the fridge is the Black Butte Porter. And it, I go way back with that beer. I mean, as far back as I go with beer, it's that one. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's all over Oregon too. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely. In- it's all over here too. It has really pretty good distribution, but... I mean, yeah. So if, if you're able to even combine Bend in that trip, it's completely yeah. worth it. Um, and Wait, so, so I had one question about Smith Rock. Is it a climbing destination? Yes. Okay. And I'm actually not a climber, which is why I overlooked that piece. <laughs> I'm not either, but I know a lot of people are. What about mountain biking? And like... Um, you know, I think you can, but I, I really haven't seen people mountain bike over there. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I've gone, we've done several different trails and it's incredible because it, so it's all Sandy. Um, but you also have a river Canyon going through. And so as you, um, kind of make your way down the Canyon, um, walking through the sand, it's all dusty. You start getting closer to the rocks themselves. You look up and there's just people, a hundred meters up. <laughs> I love that. I love to see that, even though it makes my stomach flip. <laughs> it does. So me cool. too. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, and I admire it. I wish I could do that, but I'm really afraid of heights and it just doesn't work. I know. Me too. Have you ever tried a Via Ferrata? No. What is that? It's, it's like the closest you're going to get to climbing, but being totally safe because you're cabled in the whole time. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's like, uh, so via ferrata means iron way, like technically, uh, I mean, in in Italian it does. And, um, they're just bolted in cables that, and usually they have some sort of foothold or ladder or something to get you along. And I mean, you're on the cliff face, but it's the only way I've been able to quote unquote climb is by doing a via ferrata and holy goodness, they can be very scary. I think Back in episode 60-something, two maybe, or somewhere around there, um, I, I actually had a recount of, a, of a, a Via Ferrata experience that I did. Maybe it was... Oh yeah, no, it wasn't 63. Definitely not. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was one of those. But yeah, it's, it's super cool because it it's a, gives you a way to get up on the rock, face your fear without the real danger, which I mean, climbers are another breed of... <laughs> of crazy, of brave, you know, so like, cool. wow. Yeah. They, they, and they're so strong. That's the other piece. Yeah, I'm like, man. It's I so impressive. It's so impressive. You know? Yeah. Okay. So I'm but, sure all the climbers listening are like, yeah, Smith Rock is a climbing destination. Duh. We yeah, already knew you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's all right. No, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's really incredible. Um, and you can have different levels of, um, like, physical activity as you're doing that. Um, I mean, we've gone and just kind of had a stroll through the Canyon. We've also gone and done, um, hikes or or nature walks. I prefer to call them nature walks when it's (laughs) not uphill. Right. It's like a walk Um, in the woods. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Or in the desert. desert. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And And you can go a couple of miles. Um, and, and it's just stunning. And, you can spend, I mean, we've spent um, up to three days camping there and just taking different trails. But really, even if you just go for one day, 
um, it, it's, it's, you still get the same beauty and it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And then from there you can, if you don't want to camp and you just want to go for the day, you can stay, um, near Bend and, you know, you can stay at a little bed and breakfast or an inn, an Airbnb, um, and just camp. kind of have your, your comfortable stay if that's what you prefer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So when we went, um, I was kind of mentioning how you can do more than one at the same time. And that's the Painted Hills. Mm -hmm. And so this is another one of the wonders. And it's about an hour and a half away from Smith Rock. And so um, if you do like if you do a weekend trip, because sometimes, I mean, a lot of folks, that's that's when they go out, right? It's weekend trips. um, Or if you have a week to go somewhere, if you get PTO and you have a week, then um, kind of using your time wisely to see as much as you can. And so I'd recommend one day at Smith Rock, spend the night in Bend, and then the next day go out to John Day. And John Day is these incredible fossil beds in Mitchell, Oregon. Mm. And, um, this is where the Painted Hills unit is. And the Painted Hills unit is like layers of rock and um, layers of uh, basically soil. And okay. it's you just have these incredible colors um, of the fossil beds. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and this is, I mean... This was one of my favorite places for sure, because again, like in Smith Rock, you just got such a different landscape um, that I I really don't think you can get in a lot of places. What do you mean? Oh, just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of like striations that you see in in dry areas like New Mexico or Utah, Mm -hmm. like that's pretty specific. And to be able to have that like four hours from lush, lush forest is super cool. And in a place that's so accessible to so much population on the West. And and I think that you nailed it. It's that contrast of having that lush greenery and then driving and you go and see soil that's yellow and gold and Mm -hmm. black and red. All it's just, yeah. And it's, it's all um, like, sheetrock and um kind of it was formed by volcanic sludge um and so you can even if you go to the visitor center um there's collections of fossils that you can see um and and so it's really if you like science and you like (laughs) learning about these things uh there's a lot of history there that sounds awesome yeah okay cool so we have smith rock and painted hills is there still one more? Yes, there's the last one, which is the deepest lake oh, in the United course. States. Yes. Yep. <laughs> you know, so Crater Lake. Um, if you guys have the opportunity to kind of do everything we're talking about as road trips, you could go um, from Bend down to Crater Lake. That's an option. Also, if you just want to go to Crater Lake from Portland, that's about four hours. And um, the destination I have stayed in is Ashland, Oregon, which is 
um, kind of the hotspot for um, the Shakespeare Festival that they have every year, which is incredible. And, and I really hope that they're able to have that um, next year and the years to come because they really do incredible, incredible work. Um, but if you, yeah, if you stay in Ashland, then from there, you can drive out to Crater Lake. And I want to say it's about an hour and a half um, east. And it's, it's incredible. I mean, it was basically created um, as, as a crater. <laughs> by a volcano. Yeah, by a volcano. volcano volcanic explosion. Um, and it's, it's just really beautiful. I mean, this is one of the places that you, you need to see a picture of it. Yeah. You, you need to go because it's, it's hard to explain the beauty of something you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I've been to Crater Lake. It is so blue. Oh, it's, yeah. it's so blue. Like it's, it's really beautiful. And I'm from Lake Tahoe. So I know blue water. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Crater Lake is definitely, definitely worth a visit. It's, uh, have you hiked on the rim? Um, no, I, I walked a little bit by it, but again, I'm a scaredy cat. So I love mm. to do all these things, but a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But you can hike all the way around it, right? Um, I, I think so. And I think you can even go down a ways. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have only, uh, we didn't have very much time when I passed through, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that's definitely, do you know the depth of it? Probably not. Um, not off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I think it's just fun to learn about all of that, like geological history. I think of of um, why we even have these formations. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So I think it's it's about. I, I just looked it up. It's almost two thousand feet deep. Yeah, that's deep. Wow. Okay. Can you even mm. imagine two thousand feet? I don't think my brain understands two thousand of feet. just water. I mean, it's small though, but yeah, so pretty. And you can yeah. definitely do hikes around there and it's all forested. Oh, and yeah. This is a place though where you definitely will lose service on the way there. Okay. And so making sure that um, you have like, I, I screenshot directions all the time. Mm, so if mm-hmm. you can do that. Um, and and I, I think the signage could be better along the way. <laughs> Mm, there okay. isn't a lot there. So just just keep that in mind as you're going. Um, last time I went, I want to say it was about two years ago. And it, it's still, the service issue is still there. So I don't know if that's gotten better, but um, definitely to keep yourself safe, um, having those directions handy. Yeah. And lots of people go even just to sightsee um, and just of kind of have a picnic there. Yeah like we did on the way through because we were going to somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Um, Well, cool. That... So here's the thing about these seven wonders. This is what I love about this. This is meant to give you like the big stars on the map. Um, But I often find that the, the best adventures are in between. Like the things that we didn't talk about that you're going to discover along the way um, and and how you make these trips yours, I think that is the really special thing. But I love that we've just kind of laid out this 
like this map almost of Oregon of all these cool things you could do. I mean, you could fill a couple weeks of road tripping just like around Oregon. Absolutely. And, and not even run into very many people and social distance and camp yeah. and see beautiful things and eat yummy food. And I love this. Yeah. Are you finding a lot of people uh, are road tripping in Oregon right now? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, just me this summer, I've gone to so many places, more even than I've just mentioned, um, that I I normally wouldn't have because mm-hmm. I might have been doing something else or I've been there before. And I'm like, oh, I don't need to go again. Or, or just the fact that it's where you live, you know? We put so much emphasis on going other places. <laughs> I totally know what you mean. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. But one thing I will say though, is that um, especially if you go to some of the places that are closer to Portland, like um, the Gorge when, when it was open and when it does open up, um, as well as the Oregon coast and Mount Hood, um, is that you do get a lot more tourists. So the further away you go from Portland, um, the less tourists, tourists there will be. Mm-hmm. And also right now with COVID, um, a lot of people are wearing masks on the trail. Mm-hmm. So keeping that in mind, making sure that you have a mask with you. Um, there's signs all over that, you know, ask for you to keep your six feet distance and wear a mask around others. And so, I mean, we would, we would put it on, you know, whenever we saw someone and then kind of, if we were alone, take a little break, mm-hmm. you know, breathe in that fresh air. Yeah. And then being being respectful and and everyone has different comfort levels um, with the masks, but that is something that I, I'm pretty sure is state mandated and um, I, I don't want to say like enforced by rangers, but they do kind of look out for that. Okay, that's good. That's a respectful thing. That's okay. Yeah. Well, awesome. Um, it certainly it has intrigued. I mean, I'm like dreaming about doing this <laughs> in my truck. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Oregon is, like I said, I coming from, I guess, Northern California, I feel like Oregon is kind of overlooked. <laughs> and it's also like a pass-through state to yeah. from California to Washington. And so, um, yeah, maybe we can encourage some people to slow down and explore a little bit. And if you live in Oregon to get out into your own backyard and maybe the neighboring states, um, go explore a little bit of Oregon because I'm definitely a fan of the local travel idea right now, you know, and just being really, really respectful of locals in places and uh, whatever that means. If you're playing in someone else's backyard, you know, to just be as absolutely respectful as you can, because this is a hard time for people. And so, um, thank you so much for sharing all of these really cool ideas of ways that we can get out and explore locally, um, during this season where we might feel sort of stuck at home, you know, or stuck in a region. So I'm so happy to, and, um, you know, there's so many places and, and some of the best places are the smaller places that, um, we don't even think about, but do a Google Mm -hmm. search and find there's a state park or, um, a falls or nature walk or hike or, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so much. So 
Actually, you just nailed something. The state park thing is massive. People focus so much on national parks, um, but there's a reason for every single state park. Somewhere, there's a reason that they created it. And so they're worth going to. They're worth visiting for sure. And they're generally free either for residents or cheaper to get into. You know, you don't have to... I mean, they all vary, I suppose. But I know in Montana, they're free for Montanans. So I don't know if that's the same everywhere. I don't know if that's the same in Oregon, but I know I've heard various things like right now during COVID, um, some places offer free parking, mm-hmm. um, but usually, usually it's, it's really, really cheap and you get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there's a lot you can do. And, and here, even if you just travel a little bit South towards Salem or just towards Bend, um, there's a lot of stops on the way that are state parks or even um, municipal parks that offer green space and um, a lot of beauty. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, thank you so much for sharing and for divulging your <laughs> top secret information about Oregon. <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, where can people find you if they want to say hey or reach out or read your blog about all of these places that you've been? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Um, so I'm on Instagram and it's Green Voyage Blog. And then if you type in Green Voyage Blog, you will find my blog. Um, and I have written not about the seven wonders, but I wrote about the four marvels. <laughs> which is my own take on some of my favorite places in Oregon. Um, And I welcome anyone who wants to say hello or ask questions or um, who wants to know more about traveling in Oregon or um, any of the other adventures I post about. Hey, Um, well, I definitely appreciate it. And also the bit about sustainability, which is super important. And I love to highlight that whenever I can. So um, yeah, thank you for responding to my call out for, you know, local adventures because this is a... I feel like this is a big deal right now, you know, to be able to explore our own backyards and maybe with a new perspective. um, We're kind of... A lot of us are becoming tourists in our own homes uh, or states, home states um, right now. And so at least maybe for the people around Oregon, we've we've inspired something or those who are traveling through Oregon. um, Yeah. So... Definitely appreciate it. And uh, I really hope that you get to continue your, your international journey as soon as possible, as far as you, know, you need to for your, for your heart, <laughs> for your heart's sake. And, um, but until then, stay safe. And thank you again so much for your time. Thank you, Jackie. Okay, thanks again to Patti for all of her enthusiasm and wealth of knowledge. I hope that you guys had fun and maybe learned something new about Oregon today or perhaps how to look at your own backyard a little bit differently. Remember, the links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Stay well and safe and please move. Go somewhere. Get out. We all need it. And if we are being creative, we can definitely make it happen in our own backyards while being safe. So... Thanks for being here. See you guys next time.